Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to the GAA Hour with Dear Midling on Sports Joe. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Hurling Show. Uh, coming in from just outside Ennis, we have Christy O'Connor in on the big screen. Christy, how are you doing? Great stuff, Gizzy. All good? All good. There's a nice little... Uh, it's the club is up there behind JC. Nice poster. And any other books? Uh, they're all just team photos and that, is it? Yeah, a few... Uh, Clare Minor team up there, actually. Flannes team. Uh Picture Gerlock Nan, picture Tommy Quaid, so yeah. Oh, bye. Don't get to show them off too. Don't get to show them off too often, because he's like, yeah. All the great. Finally, getting an earring, you know. That's what stirs you when you're writing those pieces, is it? You look up a jar and you're like, right, this is it now. This is we're going for broke. Uh, and in studio, I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Kearns. Alan, Gizzy. great to have you in. Thank you, Gizzy. How are you doing? Great. Can't yeah. complain. You're busy, I imagine. Very, but uh, it's great three, three young ones. Three ones, yeah, all under six. So it's a, it's a busy household, no more than most, but no more than yourself. It's a, you, you know the joys of it. Yeah, you're not much of a slouch though when it comes to outside the house either. You've got plenty of projects on the go, as best I know. Anyway, there's always a few uh, there's always a few things burning. What are you what are yeah, you up to? Yeah, we've uh, we've a real we've a real we've a lot of big projects on the on, on the line. We've a big cycle coming up with Kirby Kirby Engineering Group. Mm. Um, going from. Go the Limerick called the Kirby Way going from the Limerick to Galway off then Galway to Dublin in September we have a big match coming in Africa we can't say too much more about that but we'll have the first ever kind of all-star game well, well inter-county game in, in Kenya in November lovely. it hasn't been launched yet but it's a very exciting project where the players are going to be able to leave a massive legacy behind them but, yeah. it's always one of the things that I notice about all the things that you do it's not ever like sometimes I I, I it's not a case of thinking locally necessarily. I just maybe see something in a small area, and then when I chat to you about the different projects, it's like on a on a global scale. Like you think big and you go after it at a, at, a, at, a, at 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 that level, and you get it through. I guess once you get experience of running big projects, then you just have got that capability, and people trust it, and you can make it happen. Then, eh? Yeah, I suppose. Korea, a lot of people who I work with say I have too many ideas, but it's. Um it's trying to follow through on, on, on some of those. I love those big, big ideas, those big creative projects where you can bring a group of people together to make a massive impact. And 
you have great memories and great experiences yourself, but you also leave a, um, a good legacy behind you in terms of society and, and, and the places you visit. So yeah, and you know when you get people involved, um, people are unbelievably generous, and particularly the sports guys there. They're, they're fantastic with their time and they're such positive role models having them involved and that just makes it a lot easier for the corporates and for the the communities they come from to get involved as well. Mm. I can see, I, I saw down in, uh, in Karen Tuhill, we did a climb yeah. with, in Karen Tuhill. What year was that? 2014. 2014. Yeah. And I was working with Off the Ball at the time and I was kind of the liaison to go between and uh, I was saying to the lads, yeah, look, at we'll, be, we'll climb the mountain and we'll be back down at, I don't know, Five o'clock, yeah. and then we'll go on the show sure. at seven. And we have this array of incredible. Like Peter Canavan was up yeah. there, and Seamus Moynihan, and I was like, couldn't wait for the show. And, and and I got back, and and I was kind of on the way back down. I was kind of hurrying the lads a bit because I could see that I could see that yeah. the day was slipping a little bit. And uh, I got back over to into Inch, um, the pub in Inch where we had it, and it was I'd say a quarter past six, maybe. And I rounded the corner, and there was a big tent up outside, and a marquee, and. Jar and, and Joe and the boys were, were standing there, Donny, Donny Mahoney, and, and they were like, um, so, where, uh, <laughs> where is everybody? <laughs> and I was the first by a bit and like by five to seven, I was going live at seven, there was still like, you know, five people there. And I said, okay, well, you jump up at the start. And all of a sudden, then one by one, they, they came, came and in. Ryan McHugh came on. And it was it was yeah. brilliant, but I can imagine, yeah, the logistics. But the whole story of that day was... Um, we'd uh, we'd um, 32 medals one from each county mm. going to the top of Karen Tool and Sam Maguire so it was called Sam to the Summit and we'd Mihal Amir Hurtik oh, who was yeah. 82 at the time 84 yeah. and um, it was a roasted hot day and so we Peter Canavan's Jeff Allen's Declan Brown's and you know different people from different counties and uh, you know I think 1927 medal was there from Kildare Mick Loftus's granddaughter Ooh. climbed that day as well from the Mayo medal Carolyn Crowley climbed it from Wexford yeah. in the 1915 yeah, to really, and there's loads of supporters fundraised to climb with all the medals and yeah. the superstars that were climbing but Mihal was coming down for the day and we were I thought Mihal was just going to head up to this creek and then come back and I, it was a roasting hot day and I said to him as I passed him, I said, are you, go, are you going to go to the top, Michal? That's the intention, Alan. That's the intention, That's he the said. Intention. And I said, not a hope, at 82. Because we knew it was a good seven, eight hour climb. Mm. But we got, we thought the money shot was going to be all the jerseys with the yeah, medals yeah. on the top of the mountain. The cross. But we got word that Michal was coming up the devil's ladder with with uh, with one of the guides. And to hold, you got to hold, it'll be special because mm. when he's 82, he's going to lift the cup here. This is the money shot. And it was probably one of the most outside of the, off the, it was one of the most special moments if you were there. The whole crowd at the top of the mountain departed, departed the waters and like, they oh. gave him a guard of honour to the top of the the top of the where the cross is. He got the cup and he lifted it and the whole place erupted. And there was a lot of people in tears. Yeah. And he gave the most amazing oration at the top of that mountain. Yeah. I think he knew this like he may not be back there again at mm. his age and to be there with the 32 medals and the Sam Maguire mm. it was a special special moment really. I guess it turned into something that you couldn't have almost imagined like you think it's going to be one thing but then a moment like that happens and he was there I felt yeah. it he was, I mean, body was alive up yeah. there with at that moment when yeah. Michal was coming up and we were all we all got this chance to appreciate and celebrate yeah. Michal and were hurting and his influence in all of our lives as well you know it was really yeah, uh, it was it was really one of those special moments that it was an unintended moment because they didn't mm. expect it but like and I said to him when I got down because we were um, we were all broke up and Stephen McDonald from our ma he was crippled and Mickey yes, Linden yeah. and we were going to Africa a week later remember that yeah and we were all really sore and we were in our 30s or whatever age we were at the time 
And I said to him, how did you get to the top and come back down? And he said, he didn't look at the top. He's a wonderful piece of advice. He said, I never looked at the summit. I just put one foot in front of the other and it took my time and I knew I eventually I'd get there once I put one foot in front of the mm. other and I got there. That's my intention, said, Alan. That's, that's my intention. intention. Yeah, so it was a, yeah, so that he was the, yeah. the reason. We, and we all met up back in France. We all had a great we night. We did, we did. <laughs> a great night. Um, there was one foot, it's, it's one foot in front of the other for Claire, Christy. Um, from the start of the year, they were, they certainly weren't on too many people's radar. We had Derek Conan on early and I could get a sense that he was very, he was very confident. Everybody was looking to Waterford and he didn't He didn't find that uh, a plausible direction for things to go at all. He seemed to know that something was happening in Clare. Are you, are you surprised uh, at their emergence this year or is this expected? Uh, a bit of both, Jeremy. Um, you know, like I suppose really for, from a Clare perspective, you know, like there's an awful lot of experience still in the squad, right? You know, um, okay, they won a lot of it's back since... 13 since they won it like but there's still an awful lot of quality and you know I suppose even you look at the, the, the level Tony Kelly's hit in the last two three years in particular he's you know gone to a completely different level even though he was a sensational underage player so um, yeah I suppose last year you, you know you, you look at who they didn't have last year Peter Duggan Shane O'Donnell David Fitzgerald didn't make the match day squad match day 26 against Cork last year you look at how the three of them how they've played um, like you know like they're both all three are in all star form, um, you know that even like I suppose even just the way that they Brian has even I suppose the way the team has evolved. Like you look at Keen Nolan for example, you know came in really 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 good under or good underage player played very well with his club last year. Smith O'Brien's and the the won the intermediate championship. He was a guy who came in and got made his only made his debut against uh, Waterford. You know came in in the Munster final. Came in the last day after only a handful of minutes. You know, on Lee Chin, you know, played well. And I think that's just been a metaphor really for I suppose how clear have gone that they've they've just they've they've been confident, they've you know, no holes barred, they've gone out, they've um they've expressed themselves. And yeah, like look at I suppose the biggest thing um with Clare, I suppose you have to everything is relative towards Limerick and you kinda of have to compare everyone to Limerick because they are the standard and I think that you know they showed in the in the league in March and in the round robin in May, like this, they're the one team that physically, you know, Limerick can't overpower. They can't, you know, dominate or bully. And you know, like it was so many occasions in that round robin game where you know Limerick looked to have clear lads, you know, gobble up on the tackle or just looked to have them pinned in and ready to turn them over. And Clare were still able to extricate themselves from those challenges and um, you know physically able to survive in that maelstrom. So yeah, like I suppose. The biggest thing, I suppose, with, with the two teams, with, with Clare and Limerick, you know, okay, they lost the Munster final, but you'd have to say um, that they've been the most consistent team along with Limerick. Yeah. Um, you know, since the start of the championship, like really good against Tip the first day, excellent against Cork the second day, you know, um, blew Waterford off the park, Waterford weren't at the races, you know, could have beaten Limerick in the, the round-robin game, could have beaten them in the Munster final. You know, like, the la- like, Saturday was always going to be a tricky, dangerous game, you know, for Clare. There was nobody in the county under any illusions about how, you know, dangerous it was. And that's the way it worked out. I suppose, look, they just didn't didn't play well there. But is that, is that all it is? It's an interesting line of commentary because I know Tom Dempsey had um, was, was chatting about this after the game and it is, there's... 
I mean, I don't feel like it's patronising. I feel it's a, it's it, it's reflective of the nature of how both teams have performed. But it is this like it's a sticky game. It's like you know Wexford playing against Westmead or Cork going up to Antrim. It's this feeling of like well we could get caught here on our journey somewhere else. Um, and the coverage very much was along that lines. It was like very much about Clare not performing as opposed to maybe being being shut down or Wexford haven't gotten their matchups right and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily have a. I don't necessarily have a question on it. I, I, it's 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 an interesting dynamic after a game. I suppose you see how Limerick have rewritten or did started doing it four or five years ago. They've rewritten how, um, how we see the game, and they didn't ask for permission to do that. They've just done it. Clare don't seem to have that defiance as much, but they're definitely putting their own stamp and their own out of their sheer brilliance. It seems they're putting their stamp on it, but there is something in. Like I feel like with, with the likes of Key and Nolan, like at the end you get that penalty and and a black card and you've got a different finish. And is that? I guess you're going on form. That's what people do, isn't it? They go on form. They say, well, these are the form teams, and so a Wexford can come along and they can upset the form. But that's all they're ever really doing, as opposed to saying, well, this is this is a battle between two good teams, and you know, you, you give both their kind of their 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 dues for their capabilities. Yeah, and I think probably. The best way to look at that, Gizzy, is like, I suppose you, you just see the way a championship evolves, right? And there's always going to be turning points. There's always going to be, you know, um, parts of the season where teams are going to play well. They're going to, you know, they're going to ride out tough tough periods. They're going to come back. And we'll see, I suppose, look at the big debate that is, I suppose, a big debate in the last couple of years has been the Munster-Leinster, you know, I suppose, divide or comparison. And we'll say, you look at, you now Galway are back in the semi-final, you know, but if, if Cork had won on, Saturday, like you know, it would have been like three team, three monster teams in the semi final. Uh, in last year, you you three monster teams in the semi final in eighteen. In um, you know, would say you look at the last few All Ireland finals. You've had you know All Monster final last year, All Monster final in twenty twenty, All Monster final in you know like would say it looked like. It, it would say, everyone would say that it's going to be an all monster final again in the other an all month two monster teams in the other final again this year. But like you can look at Galway for example now, whereby you know like they're they're going in against Galway, are going in Slimerick, written off you could say. Um, you know a lot of experience still in the team. Like you you could just compare would say for example like our like Galway are better than Wexford. You know you would have to say on on the what the levels they've shown. You know should have beaten them by more. You know drew with them in in Wexford Park. You know, played really well for sixty five minutes. Wexford kind of caught them with a late surge. Yeah. So, like, you know, I suppose the, the monster thing is where you look at the, the under twenty, under twenty one. Like, you haven't had um like this year was the first time um a Leinster team won the under twenty since uh, twenty eleven. So you know, all like Cork, Tip, Waterford, Clare dominated that championship. Um, and you know that then there is that uh, question: Well, is is Munster operating at a higher level than Leinster? Now, if you're to look at the teams that have. I suppose one day on Ireland's, you know, you've a tip, like Limerick, Limerick, tip, Limerick, Limerick, since Galway won it in 17. You know, you've two teams, as I said, in the final last year, two Munster teams. But, you know, like, it, it, like this whole thing, you could say, is, is the Munster Championship a little bit overhyped? Like, is the standard as good? Like, you look at some of the games in Munster this year, you know, the exception of Clare, Limerick obviously operating at a different level. Some of the performances were not good. You know, like, you could argue that in Leinster, is it down to the the, the pitches are smaller, you know, the, the the grounds are smaller, the atmosphere maybe isn't as electric as sometimes you'll have in Munster, um, 
So like, there's all of this that feeds into it. And like, you know, if, if you go back to your original question, Gizzy, like about Wexford, like, of course, Wexford are going to be a serious proposition for Clare. Like there's been nothing in, in those games. Like last year, the two teams played in a qualifier. Clare were well ahead. Wexford came with a late surge, almost caught them. Um, and that's just the way the championship evolves. Because if you were to if you were to say, like after Saturday, like okay, that um, Limerick are well ahead of Galway, but like Galway will go into that game now. They'll be full of confidence. They've beaten Limerick in the league last year. They beat them in the Gaelic grounds this year. They kind of feel that they owe them one after the twenty twenty semi final when you know okay Limerick were the better team. But Galway still had chances. Joe Canning went off injured that day. Colin Manning went off injured early with a hamstring. Mm. So this is just I suppose how the championship rolls. Um, how it evolves. So, like, to go back again to your original question, I don't think there was anybody in Clare underestimating or, you know, um, running Wexford down. But I suppose the narrative was that, look, at after such an incredible performance from Clare in the Munster final, mm. when it looked like, let's be honest, you could say that it looked like these are the two best teams in the country. Mm. Now, could Clare reach that level again? No, I don't think anybody expects them to reach that level again. Well, they can only reach it against. Method, they can only reach it against the best team. They don't. They can only reach it against the best team, can't they? Like you can't. It's drawn out of you when the standard. Like you can't draw that kind of a performance out. I don't think, unless you meet the level. Like you, it, it's always going to be lesser. It's always going to be a lesser performance because you, your best comes out when the best is put in front of you. Like every player says that about the well, best yeah, players they mark. Like. Yeah, but I think it's different as well, Dermot, in, in that, like, you know, Clare Limerick is a massive local rivalry. It's, a, you know, it's a monster final. Mm. Clare have won one since 98. Um, you know, there's all of that going on. There's the, the local, you know, the players know each other so well. There isn't that same history and that same, I suppose, rivalry with Wexford. And, you know, of course, you know, the, it's going to be, the game on, on so many levels is going to be at a different level to what it was in the Munster final. So I think I think it's important to make that point, like that, you know, there's I don't think there was anybody you know, in Clare or anybody who knows, you know, was fully tuned in that was, you know, running Wexford down or felt that, you know, that they were at a much lower level than Clare. But I just mm. think that, okay, Clare were, Clare were the story because of the performance they had produced in the Munster final, you know, and then Wexford, well, could Wexford take take um, advantage of that maybe, you know, I suppose Clare not operating at the same level. So, you know, that was just a narrative. And I think in fairness, that's probably the way how the game worked out. That, yeah. you know, like, you know, like Clare, like the Tony Kelly missed three frees at the very start. You know, like um, like Clare's conversion rate was only 56%, but it was still really, really good and decisive when it mattered. And I think that's that's probably the way the games rolled in that mm. Clare found a way when they had to. Now, you could argue that Wexford losing Rory O'Connor was a massive moment. Um, You know, like Lee Chen, should have had a black card or Keenola should have been black card black carded. Chin should have had a penalty with, with the game going into injury time, which would have, you know, if he'd scored that, the, the game was level, six minutes to play. So yeah, but I think look at you know, there's people criticizing Wexford that they couldn't close it out. But I think when you know when you when you Alan when, and, and yourself will know a lot more about this that, you know, when a team collapses your platform so quickly and so I suppose devastatingly like it's harder to re-arrest that you know to, mm. to stall that momentum and to kind of get back on top and like I would have even felt for example that okay you could say Chen he he won that that ball at the end he could have won a penalty but I just felt like if you look at the way the game had torn clear got a complete grip on puck outs like the four of those six points they got they got two of them off Wexford puck outs they got two of them off their own short puck outs Wexford just needed somebody maybe to come out and win a ball like even bring Chen out to the half forward line 
yeah, to try yeah. and win a ball, just to try and stall yeah. it. You know, even that said, if you won won a puck out, maybe just try and win a free. Um, so yeah, look at just clear. They just they they whipped up that tide at just the right time and just submerged Wexford. And I suppose that was really the, the bottom line when it came down to it. Yeah, yeah. I suppose one of the things, that, Alan, that it that I feel that it may reflect, and I, I think this has repercussions uh, well beyond for Wexford is. It's almost like it's it's a little bit of poor mouthing. Almost it's like oh we're not getting we're not getting the recognition and we're not getting the time from you know the, the the vanguard of GA attitude, which is the Sunday game. Like that you know it's all kind of funneled in through the Sunday game and then comes back out and it's supposedly reflective of the GA landscape or whatever. And we're kind of saying, or our Tom Dempsey at least is saying, and plenty of others with him were saying that well, why aren't we being why aren't we being given the respect you know and. I feel I, I felt, and it's, it's a line that I'm not sure where where to kind of. I haven't really fallen on either side of it yet, um, because I don't think it matters um, too much. Is that when it came to we we'll say ten minutes to go, and extra six points up, if that if there is a, a, a chink, if there is a, a chink in the attitude of poor us, we're not getting the you know that I know that exists after the fact, but it it, it also is just something that vibrates when something happens that was already there before, and so when. Wexford go to six points and they, like they did in 2019 against Tipperary they went to six points and all of a sudden the finish line is up ahead and like Michal Amor Hurtig is not looking up at the top yeah. he's looking step by step and if you have that little bit of a chink of the thing that I think that Limerick totally have done away with the thing that I think the likes of Kerry uh, and I think Antrim in some respects are doing it but a, a, a lot of teams need to step into is not worrying about what anybody else thinks or how much credit you're given or things that you should be getting more coverage or whatever because who, because none of that stuff matters what matters is that you give absolutely everything that you can to the cause that you're involved in at that time that you can connect to that purpose and everything else outside of that is really just noise maybe that's the case with the players I don't know but I, it would suggest to me that maybe it's just tiredness maybe it's just the level they're at maybe there's you know they need a few extra players from we'll say 11 to 18 there's an interchangeable few there that mightn't be up to the full standard but if you're waiting for much like your work as I was thinking about this here you're much like your work um, out in Africa if you're waiting for the powers who reinforce the structures to keep you in the position that you're in because the ones at the top are always going to do that in every single walk of life you're never going to get the thing that you want. What you have to do is you have to you have to build it yourself. You have to build it yourself in the image that, that you want, and that's like rejecting the, the 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 conformist kind of idea, or it's rejecting the conditioning of of where the landscape is, um, in terms of where Galway are, where Wexford are, where where Kerry are, where Wicklow are, where where any team are. It's like rejecting that completely and saying we're going to set it out our way and we're going to create the future that we want. Yeah, and I agree with you totally. And you've got to create your own narrative mm. and not worry about the media's narrative. Look at Wexford, based on the last few performances in Leinster, based on the last few years coming in against Clare, haven't performed, I suppose, up to that standard. And Clare, similarly, last year, or the last few years, haven't been at the, dining at the top table. But this year, there's, there's a bit of manliness, there's a bit of a warrior spirit about them. Mm. They are defining their own narrative where they rightly so were favourites going in against Wexford um, because of the performances they put up. They've had two outstanding performances against Limerick in the Munster Championship. Mm. Two, two draws and an extra time, right? And they have a bit of fight. The, their leaders are actually standing up, as Christy said. That point, I think, s- summarised the last 10 minutes. David McNerney caught a ball out of the sky, popped it to Tony Kelly. 
the burners on down the wing found Shane O'Donnell broke the tackle over the bar yeah. your three key players in a key moment swung it for them as an example yeah so that's where the players and I remember similar to your story Clarence Bridge for example we mm. were poor us for 10 years we won our first county title in 201 and we wasted the next 10 years by accepting mediocrity by no alignment by no connection to a bigger purpose you know what I mean um Michal came in and he demanded the six or seven leaders, eight leaders, to stand up and drive it from within. We had to take account for it now. Nobody else could do it for us. And when you have the players driving the standards from within mm. and driving each other and being self-policing and setting standards and not accepting mediocrity from each other or from the management, then you're going places because you own it. And when the, excuse the language, when, when, the, when it comes down to the melting pot or down to those final moments, because you're you're doing that day in the out and training and you're conditioned to be that way you're not going to accept it mm. and I think that's the big difference between the successful teams I was involved in and the unsuccessful teams was the, the, the key leaders did not accept mediocrity and they set the standard and they brought they brought everybody with them and they demanded that of each other and they just would not tolerate mediocrity from anybody mm. and I think then th that comes out in those critical moments and then that's when you we went then from nowhere to an old team in Clarence Bridges, Christie would know, to be all Ireland champions in 211. From, we came from nowhere because of that alignment together, yeah. that unity and that unity and that spirit and the unbreakable spirit, that, that, that player accountability, player mm. driving the standards, players wanting it, you know, and then you, you, can, you can go places you never thought you could go if you get that and you get a good mm. alignment with it, good management, good systems and structures in place and obviously you need um, players as well to buy into that. In your 20s, uh, there's great opportunities and you see now because of social media, you know, you've got like we had friends in the early thousands yeah. who would have gone off and they'd have been all over the world and we didn't have it in our face in the way yeah. that you would now. But you're seeing now the lives that people are le leading um, in, in other places and there's, the draw is huge. I think it's reflective, possibly, Christy, um, you can shed some light on this. I was just reading a piece with Joe, actually, with um, Peter Duggan earlier, and then also Shane O'Donnell now. Maybe Shane's a different kettle of fish, I'm not sure. I know he has a lot going on, but when things are aligned in that way uh, that Alan's talking about, I don't think anybody leaves. I think, like, very, very few. Nobody wants to leave because anywhere you are in the world, it doesn't really matter if you're part of something that's bigger than you, your own little small story, and it's headed a particular direction. There's no reason to leave. And maybe for two fellas of, of such a high calibre to leave Clare um, a couple of years ago and then to have them back now, you know, they wouldn't go this year. I'd say nobody would go this year because they see that things are going in a particular direction and that's something that they want to be part of. So is that kind of testament to where they've arrived at at this stage of, we'll say, Lohan's management and, and as, as, a, as a bunch of players, they're now kind of, they, they've, they've, they've streamlined things, they know what they're at. Yeah, well, I suppose just, just first of all, I suppose look at Peter Duggan, you know, Peter was, he, like, you know, he waited a long time for his chance, right? He'd been on the panel in 13, um, but he didn't really establish himself until, until 18, won an All-Star that year. He's probably one of players, better players in a poor 19 championship. So, like, there's been a kind of a history in his family of they've all travelled, right? So he wanted to do that. Um, he did it. You know, I don't think there was any any issues. Like, that was kind of, uh, you know, well-known and clear at the time. But look, at this is just something that this guy wants to do. Like, with Shane, it was totally different. Like, he got, he suffered a horrendous concussion at the start of, um, he was in training at the start of last summer, last June. And, um, you know, like he went through 
uh, like I did a piece for him back in November and he outlined, you know, how bad it actually was. Like, but he said that when Clare played Waterford in the championship um, at the end of last June, he was literally out on a ride on lawnmower, sitting down with his headphones on a table beside him. That was that was about as much as he could take. He said when they played tip a week later, he was watching the match in his sitting room and all he said, he was he was watching his family watch the match because he, actually, he said he couldn't look at the TV. That's how bad the, the sentence oh was. He went through a terrible time of it. Like the, the big worry in Clare, I suppose, from Shane's perspective was that like, you know, that it was more like, you know, he said himself he'd no interest in hurling. It wasn't even on his radar that he'd come back with Clare. He just wanted to feel right. He said, you know, when you're sick, you know, the only thing you want, you don't want anything else only to, to be right. And I suppose, look, at, he didn't, you know, he came back and he played for a rogue last year in the championship, played really well. They got to the semi-final, were unlucky, beaten in the semi-final by Andy Kilimona. You know, he didn't play any, you know, he said it then, at the end of the year, he was taking a break. He didn't play, um, didn't play any Munster League games, didn't play any league games. And just, I suppose, found his, you know, was in a, in a place, a place where he was happy that he could come back and play. So I suppose people are wondering, you know, what kind of player would come back? But I suppose the one thing that's always defined Shane, he's incredibly brave, um, you know, like was always a guy that even as a young player with Flannans with Clare, um, like I actually was involved with Clare in the 16 team and we had him cornerback. Um, but even, you know, he was a really, really brave player. And, you know, he, he moved up front after that was always one of these guys that like you know, you know at times there was nearly criticism in Clare of Shane he was too goal hungry like that he was always looking to get take on his man and look for goals and you can see that this year he's probably he's definitely changed his game and I think he, he's he, he's kind of realised himself as well that he had to change his game after the injuries he suffered last year so you know he's out now he's, he's um, much more creative you know winning a lot more frees um, you know becoming more of a playmaker like if you look at the last you know, the last quarter, the last day, like himself and Tony, like they three points from play, three assists, you know, which is massive from two players that hadn't been playing well up to that point of the game by their standards. So, yeah, to go back to your original question, Dermot, um, yeah, I suppose, look, it's like the perfect storm. Like, Alan, you mentioned it there with Clarence Bridge. Like, sometimes, you know, things just happen where, you know, you other years you train really hard. You know, maybe guys aren't, certain players aren't operating at the same level. Um you know, it just doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, you get a couple of bad results. Um, like you look at Clare 19, for example, they went down to Waterford and, you know, one down in, in Walsh Park in their first game, it looked like, yeah, they'd done all the hard work, they had three weeks off. Um, you know, they were in a really good position. They came along and they collapsed against Tip in, you know, their second game, got annihilated by Limerick in their third game. And all of a sudden the wheels come off. Like, so, and that's the, I suppose that's the one thing about the wrong Robin. That you know, especially with the, the timing of the games, um, you know, whereby you know, you can the whole thing can collapse in, in no time. And I suppose if you look at Waterford, for example, this year, um, you know, a team that many people would have fancied to, to you know, especially after the league final performance, would have expected them to maybe be Limerick's main challengers. But it's the word on the ground after the the, the Limerick game when they when they you know they lost that game was that they trained that they. they in Cal Gamble, that they trained really, really hard. They trained, mm. you know, Cal is all and Mikey Beavins have all pushed those players hard. That they trained as hard in those ten days, ten day period than they trained even when Cal and Beavins first took over. And it was probably a bit of arrogance and a bit of you know completely underestimating Cork in so many ways because you know they obviously felt that look at this is a risk, but you know Cork have lost their first two games. They're coming to Walsh Park. We should still be good enough to beat them instead of 
Callum will be saying, right, okay, let's just get get Cork out of the way. Let's get the, get a result. Cork are gone. We're through. And then maybe if we want to do a, 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 a you know a savage training window, we'll take it. So you know you you could argue that Cork season turned around on the back of 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 poor decision making from Waterford. Like Waterford, like you have to ask, why were they so flat? Why were they so poor against Cork? Why were they absolutely atrocious against Clare? Like that's a malfunction, and you could argue that 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 malfunction completely turns Cork Cork seasons Cork season on its head. So all of this stuff goes on. You know, nobody really knows what's going on in any camp. Um, but for Clare, I think that it was just the first day against Tip was a real, you know, real kind of a statement performance. Went out, you know, a week later against Cork, backed it up, two away games, you know, two home games to come. And, you know, you just felt that, yeah, look at um, Clare in a really good place. So, and then Limerick coming to town, you know, really challenged themselves, see where they're at, you know, took massive confidence from that. And then, you know, going in against Waterford, you know, left a lot of their big names on the bench. And a lot of these new guys came in and, you know, I said David Fitzgerald, who'd been playing really well, scored, you know, two, three from play that day. And all of these guys take confidence from that. And and um, then you have, look, you have a player like Tony Kelly, who's just on a different level and guys follow him. And yeah, so look at from, from Clare, it just seemed to be that perfect storm. Um, and even the Munster final, like very, very disappointing. Like, but you know, the whole county was incredibly proud of the performance. Yeah, at least you're. At, and I think at least you look at the, the last day. The look at the last day, you'd have to say maybe say that the Clare crowd effectively brought Clare home when when the re- heat came on and they really needed to to that backing and that support. Like, like the Clare crowd was incredible in the last, um, incredible in the last fifteen minutes. You know, I think one thing, Christy, there as well is. That Clare mightn't have got credit for in the last few years is that some some of the young talent that's coming through, they've really stood up like uh, young yeah. Ryan, James Ryan, uh, Meehan. He just James Ryan was outstanding, yeah, and young uh, Rory Hayes, Keen Nolan. Like they've come in and, seem, and seamlessly transitioned into really solid and really. Yeah, well, I think I think the biggest thing with that Alan is right. Like you know you you know you can look at your own county for example, yeah. and like you look at would we'll say what Galway have done at minor level in the last. 30 years you know you won a couple of minors yourself yeah. you know you know i always make that make that comment about yourself probably the most famous one of the most standout stats in <laughs> the history of the minor championship alan kearns played and never pucked the ball once didn't even fuck you it know, out oh buddy yeah. what a star yeah. thanks for bringing that one up Christy. <laughs> but if you go back to you look at galway like galway have actually won more on our minors in the last 30 years than claire limerick waterford dublin and Wexford in their history, right? Yeah. Which is banana stuff, right? But like Galway have won under twenty or under twenty one since eleven. Like you look at Clare's modern history, I don't at you know, okay, obviously three under twenty ones in a row, which is between twelve and fourteen, incredible stuff. But like Clare haven't actually won a mi- or an under twenty or under twenty one match since twenty fifteen. Mm. Now those guys you mentioned like Jim Ryan, Mark Rogers, Shane Meehan, but Clare were very unlucky this year. You know, Aidan McCarthy, a brilliant player who's been injured this year. Like, all of those guys were on Clare under-20 teams. Some of them, like, took unbelievable hammerings, right? But, like, you know, it's not like Clare have proven that, you know, it's not all about, you know, winning under-20s and under-21s. It's, you know, as long as you're getting one or two quality okay. players. I was actually saying team. that yesterday, like, I was down in Limerick yesterday at Galway Chip, outstanding minor match. Mm. Yeah. 
And Galway lost and they won't win it this year. But they have two outs- outstanding talents in Rory Burke and Aaron Island who will de- we hope will, will progress. And if you just get those two off, now they hopefully get a lot more from that team. Yeah. Well, if, if you get, get one or two, if you get if you get like three or four, you're doing fine. You're like. doing brilliantly, and it's about just bringing but, one or two through rather than winning them. Yeah. But I think I think Alan on that, like we say, you're you're dead right. Like look at it, the whole country, you know, knows about Aaron. Like he's still under sixteen. Mm. Like incredible player, Rory Burke, brilliant player. Um, but it's important now that like Galway do bring through these guys. And if you yeah. even look at we say the minor teams that Galway have produced in the last. You know they've won. They obviously won four in a row. Um, you know, but like, if you look at the, the team at the moment, it's actually it, it's it's dominated by the the fifteen minor team. You've Tom yeah. Monaghan, Fintan Burke, Concanon, Evan Nyland is Morning there. You know exactly. You know Jack Fitzpatrick, um, Sean Loftus was there. He's not on the panel mm-hmm. anymore. But but maybe it's taken that long, Alan. Where and you were there. You you were part of that cohort of you know brilliant underage minor players who were pulled off the production line thrown in like how many of those guys you know we won't mention names how many of those brilliant underage brilliant minor players were thrown in too early not physically yeah. strong enough almost chewed up and spat out by the system whereas like yeah. now I suppose you, you could say that you know you look at these these guys now that they're it's it's maybe taken them until now to fully establish themselves and the other thing I suppose that you know is that being managed thought, better Christy sorry I just it's an interesting point is that being managed better now or are the demands just that much is it that much more physical, that much more fitness required that you can't really, bar the odd exception, you can't really bring players in at, at 18, 19, 20, even 21 in the way that you could? Yeah, definitely, Dermot. Like we're saying, if you, I suppose the, the one thing for me with Galway, right? Like, Alan, you can you can come in yeah. on, on this here if you want in a second, but like to me, right? Like, I've seen Galway minor teams, like, you know, their skill levels are just on a different universe to a lot of, a lot of teams, right? But to me, right, that they're, they're, you know, when you look at those players, maybe when they go to under twenty, that sometimes their skill levels decrease. You know, their forward play decrease. Now, I don't know is that the S and C factor where you know you don't like skill will often override those issues yeah. at, at minor mm-hmm. level because they're still you know young fellas are sixteen, yeah. seventeen. Um, but like would say for Galway, you know, like the, the the you know you have to said before you have to measure everything at the moment on Limerick. It's, yeah. it's the power game. It's like absolute, you know unbelievable physicality power you know relentless tackling relentless turnovers that's that's how Limerick or that's how they, that's what governs their play so like to, you know to be able to live in that world you have to be able to survive in that world so like and maybe you know like I suppose when Galway won the Ireland in 17 you know they were a huge physically yes, strong team right like all brilliant players who could hurl but like if you look at that team that forward line in particular Johnny Glenn you know like all of those guys Joseph Cooney like you know Joe Even the guys Fanning. off the bench, Jason Flynn, Joe and Neil Burke, they were all like the average well, height was six one, six two, six three. They were all they all could move and they all could hurl. I think with the goal minor, the recent success we had in the minors, we haven't that that height or that physicality of player coming through. The teams were very balanced, brilliantly skillful, but a lot of small guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes, but, but, Alan, but just to go back to the to that point again, you know, you look at the Limerick fellas now, right? Yeah. You know, you look at the Clare lads, like they're big, strong men, like go, like Huge. Galway. Are, that's why I give Galway a great chance in two weeks' time because, like, they're, you know, and they're probably a team that Limerick, you know, Limerick, I'm sure, would much prefer to have met Cork than Galway because, you know, like, you saw that in the league, like, they yeah. can physically, you know, even like, you know, Galway will be hoping that Garo McInerney will be fit in two weeks' time. You know, there's been maybe criticisms of Garo over the last couple of years in terms of, but, like, mm. you need a guy like that to go up against a Kyle Hayes or, or a, 
and even Fenton Bork on the other side, like he will stand up physically, stand up to, to Tom Morrissey. So like you know that maybe from a goaler perspective, you know maybe they set the set the standard, and they set the bar in, in in seventeen by that that power game. Like you look yeah, at Limerick that, now, that, they've taken on to another level, and like Claire, as I said, that's the one reason you know, and Limerick know Limerick knew after the wrong Robin game in Munster that they knew that they could not physically bully or overpower Clare like they can to so many other teams left in the championship. Yeah, and I suppose the one the one thing about Limerick is Galway probably could should have beaten them in eighteen. They only played for a few minutes in eighteen. That Galway that big strong Galway team. Now we've lost yeah. Johnny Glynn is a huge loss <coughs> for winner. You've lost yeah. Joe Canning obviously one of the greatest of all time. And you've lost one or two more. Uh, and I think we've we've replaced them with, with that size or that that strength. Yes, um, you know, Whelan is outstanding and, and Connor and but they're not they're not as big as the Limerick. So as to, and Limerick have stayed the same. Literally the same team. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me, since that Galway have changed a little bit. So I think Galway, you know, while and but that one big thing they have, as you said, Chris, is they've a free shot now. You know, and that yeah. they have a free shot of this, so there's no pressure, so they can go in and and just fire the kitchen sink at this, and you know, and uh, any given day anything can happen. And you're right, they've always got up for Limerick. If you look at the 18 final, last poke of the ball, um, 2020, it was in the 70th minute they were level in yeah. the semi final. This year in the league, I know it's the league, but they beat them. But God, we seem to get up for um, Limerick. So, and I suppose but they I have. Think I, Alan, clear, clear. Clear proven as well, like you have to be able to physically match. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you, you've no business trying to take on Limerick. Would say like you try and run the ball if Cork found out to their detriment. You know, last last August and in back in April, like you're trying to run the ball through that middle third. You're not going to do it. It's yeah. nearly, it's not possible anymore. So like you know, it's like, um, and like Kilkenny as well. When when Limerick were last beaten, it was a Kilkenny team that physically just out muscled them and yeah. got them into the trenches and just absolutely dogged them out of it. So. Like you know, for and for all for all the talk as well, lads, about hurling and the standard, and it's at an incredible standard. Like, but a lot of it, you know, you look would say some of those numbers from the Munster final. Like, would say Seamus Flanagan eight points while he was in possession, but he scored those eight points. He was in possession for twelve point one seconds. Tony Kelly seven points from play in, within seventeen seconds. Six of those and scored in ten mm. seconds. You know, like um, Galan was on the ball like you know a handful of times in the Munster final. Like it, you know. It just it that's the way the game has gone now. So like you know, can you survive? Can you get possession? And I suppose that's what separates Kelly from everybody else. Like if you even look at the round robin game in May, like he had fourteen possessions, like his first five possessions, he had four points scored, um, and he's able to drift. Like you know, you, you always feel that with Limerick, you're going to have to beat them in the half spaces, get them in between the lines, attack them. You know, try and, and get in between those lines and run at them because. There is a there is a lack of pace in their defence, especially in their half back line. But that's the great beauty of Limerick is the way they sit up. They don't let you run at them. They don't mm. they don't give you those chances. And I think that's the one thing that Galway have to their advantage is they have pace in their full back line. They you know, and they have the power on the middle tour because if you're going to beat Limerick, um, you know that's what you need. And you even look at Clare, um, you know like you know you need at least you see with Sean Finn you need at least one high quality cornerback. And Clare have those guys now. They've, you know, Rory Hayes. I know he's shipped 114 in these last two games. That's probably part of the reason he was pulled on, on Saturday. 
Is it? I was wondering about that. Is it? Is it that he was pulled? Uh, I mean, uh, I think the word was that he was injured, but I I got the sense that that was Brian Lohan kind of putting down a a bit of a marker to say, look at there's other things been happening off the field, and you've started in a particular way. You've gotten two or three balls. One of them was, I mean, totally reckless, and he just said, look at that's you're you're out. Your your mind isn't in the right place. Suspension was playing on his. Possibly, well, just in terms of preparation, it probably wasn't the ideal preparation. But I think he's also shipped a few scores. Like there was a lot of talk about yes. Rory Hayes at the start of the year, and you'd have to say, like, if you look at he's a young fella, and there's no doubt he's an outstanding career ahead of him. But I don't know that he get a little bit complacent and a little bit comfortable, and he seem he's trying to play the ball out on the end line, five yards from the goal. You're like, okay, Rory, that's great that you've 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 had a great season, particularly in the round robin. But you are shipping scores, and there are times where you just have to you have to burst out a little bit more. Yeah, well, but it goes back to like, yeah, exactly. I don't know, Jimmer, if if he was to do. What, what it was to do with like but in fairness alone he would be that ruthless like you know he'd say yeah. this guy he's shipped 114 in these last two games one six off Dizzy Hutchinson eight points off Seamus Flanagan um, but the other thing is you look at Paul Flanagan like Paul Flanagan has been absolutely brilliant right and that wow, what a renaissance time for him he's yeah. really just been yeah. outstanding hasn't yeah. he brilliant fellow that goes back to a point yeah, we, we spoke about earlier lads in, in terms of you know um, low and showing faith in these guys like Paul you know captain the minor team in 2010 um you know, and it's come back in now 28, 29, and has been unbelievable, brilliant. Like, so, and but he, he just proves as well you need, you know, you need at least one brilliant cornerback now with the way the game has gone. And Claire have two or three of them, which is great. Yeah, there's a high standard in the game at the moment. Christy, I have this image of you uh, outside of Ennis, wherever you are, with, a, with a, an old tape recorder or an old video recorder, and you're pressing play and then pause and then rewind and you're counting up all of these seconds. The fellas wearing the bras, uh, this is where all of this is worthwhile, is it? Where they send the information and you get to see it. Tony Kelly had it for 18 seconds. Or how does this how does this happen that you that you know um, that level of detail? Just to be honest, it was a piece I did for the examiner last week, Dermot, whereby... Um, it just struck me, like we'd say, that the Munster final, that like some of the numbers were just ridiculous. Like I think it was the first fifteen minutes. I think there was players had possession of the ball for a minute and twenty nine seconds. And how do you know that? That's what I'm wondering. How do you know that? How do you know it was that? Like, I just literally, I, I Sky Plus. I literally have my phone out. I press play. Okay, Tony Kelly has the ball in Correct. possession. In this it's age like, of technology, I would just assume that this was like information. Like, you know, from, man, Christy, no? Lock it on a, on a stopwatch, write it all down, add it all up. My it's, God. It's that, it's that basically, basically. And look, I, I'm obviously, I'm, I've always been big into stats, like, but I think, yeah. you know, a lot of this stuff is, is fairly basic, Jeremy, uh, when, you're, when you're, and I suppose for me, really, the biggest, um, I've always felt like when you're crunching numbers and when you're collecting data or you're collating data, like, the most important thing is that you make it in such a way that the reader can digest it. There's no point putting a load of numbers down yeah. a page, you know, because a lot of people know with their attention spans, they just don't have the... <laughs> with their broken attention spans. I suppose it has to be useful. That's the yeah. best way to make it digestible, isn't it? It's like, well, what, ser- what purpose does this serve? Like, I certainly, when I see... Tony Kelly had the ball for eight seconds, and I see him dominating a game where he has the ball for twenty-five seconds in total in a game. And you think he's after yeah. running the whole show for the whole thing. You think he might have it for much longer, and it kind of, it maybe it would it, it would highlight for me. Okay, this is how important it is to make the most of every single possession that you have because a game you're literally breaking down your own contribution on the ball. I mean, there's loads of contribution you make off the ball, but on the ball you're only you're, you're talking about between fifteen and thirty seconds. Yeah, but I think, you know, Kevin Walsh has, has had that line. He had that line in his book about, you know, um, you know, like the, your, the most you're probably going to have possession for is one minute in a match, right? And he's talking about football. So what are you doing for the other 69 minutes? And if you look at the Munster final, 
Barry Nash had was the most had the was the longest in possession, fifty four seconds. You know, brilliant player, very creative. You know, a guy who you know scored seven points in play in the under twenty one final against Wexford in fifteen when he was still under nineteen. Um, you know, that's the way the game has gone now. Like that, you know, that they've he he attacks, he identifies pockets of space, he identifies gaps, he attacks them. Very creative in how Limerick, you know, he's massive in how Limerick worked that ball through the midfield platform. Um, but like you know, you could say like that the players who have uh, are longest in possession now are probably the cornerbacks, the guys who are taking the the short puck out because you know once you get it up to you know upper higher up the field, like it's just it's it's a war trying mm-hmm. to win it. But I think there definitely has been a change. It's been a bit of a throwback, and I'd even that throw this one back out to Alan like that. It's it's I think you know this year. It's been a bit more. I think people have realised that you can't run this ball through the swarm, as, as Cork found out to their cost in, in the round robin game and back in April. That you know, it's bit. It's been a bit more man on man. You know, um, you know, win your own ball, win your own battle, um, try and just you know try and try and survive in that, you know, just war physicality. And I think that I said that's why Clare have done so well, and that's why maybe the likes of Cork have struggled. Now, I do think in fairness to Cork, like that they they have shown a lot. Um, they did show a lot in the in uh, last Saturday. Do you know that there was definitely more work rate? Um, but I suppose their their struggles again, like in the first half, their fours at twenty three possessions. Um, their main guys like Lahan, Harnady, who'd been playing really well, didn't just show. were just out muscled by Galway. Just didn't like Lahan at two possessions in the first half. Harnady one shot. Like Har- like Lahan coming into the game at a shot involvement of ten points per game, which was you know like his story in fairness to Connor. I think it should be acknowledged. That, ah, it's know, been outstanding yeah, for sure. I don't know if we'll see him again in a Cork jersey, but like, mm. like his he, to come back this year to hit the levels that he hit, you know, you know, it looked like he was on a scrap heap last year. He was dropped off the Cork panel at the end of twenty twenty. You know, I think it, it, it'd be a shame if Connor is it goes out on that and he's remembered for that because I think his renaissance this year is has to be commended, and he deserves so much credit for the way he came back and mm. performed at such a high level. Do you see Galway going man to man? I mean, I definitely think you can learn from the weekend, even looking at Wexford and Clare, that idea and the possibility and the necessity against Limerick for the swarm in the middle third, in third in particular, um, and how effective that that was for Clare. And it seems like if you play that man at the back, like we look at Clare coming out, they were able to dance the ball out far too often. They had three yards, at three yards, and you got up and you isolated uh, someone like Ian Galvin on, on. Um, Janie, our own full back, God. Liam Ryan. Liam Ryan. He isolated on, on Liam Ryan, and Liam can't go fully in because, he, you know, he, he, there's a potential that he'd be burned if he's out on the wing. And if you have that, if you've dropped that man back and you've tried to protect, which is understandable against Limerick, it's much harder to swarm up top mm. and, and stop that quality ball going through. So. I, I, I imagine that's what Galway will do. They'll have they'll have to go. They'll have to push up. Like I think they will. I mean, look at, no matter what you do at Limerick, they can do it. They can do both ways. You see that, like they can they can work it through the lines. Brilliant to that. They're, 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 they've brought that to the game over the last number of years. And like you have the likes of Hegarty and Tamars who can shoot from distance. And Jim Burns now has got loads of points. So it doesn't make a difference to Limerick at this stage. What way you do it? I think you've got to just man up. You've got to win those dirty balls. Like you got to get in their faces. You got to bring that swarm to them and put them under as much pressure, like Claire did. Um, that it them. is in you, like that kind of Western ignorance, like you know that that willingness for hard work. Like it's not. It's certainly not beyond you. Is if if the tempo? I, I don't know. Have they been? 
has that Galway team gone to the line in the way like Wexford learned against Clare like you know the last five or six minutes things kind of fell apart systematically because probably they were they hadn't been in that intensity of a game really yeah. yet I know they were intense against Limerick or against uh, Kenny but it was a bit different um, yeah I wonder that, what Galway will how long they can, can they do that for you know we don't know because this year I suppose they're on the back of two a very poor Leinster final performance. Mm. They weren't shooting the lights out in, in Leinster either. They struggled over Wexford, um, struggled over Kilkenny in in in, in Pure Stadium. Yes, they had a few decent wins um, in the round robin, but they they were quite poor in in the Leinster final. Yeah, they hadn't that intensity. They're very lethargic. Henry was just disappointed in the level of performance, and the last thing you have to say, Cork blew it. I, like that's the thing you know everyone was saying before do you expect an answer and I expect Galway to be Cork to be honest because I haven't, well, I, I haven't seen it from Cork but what, what, what so maybe is expected what I would th- look at Cork missed 312 you know according to all the stats yeah uh, Galway didn't, and they got a really soft goal Galway with uh, unfortunately for Patrick Collins dropping into the net yeah like two of those Cork goals should have been finished like Gerald Arfus Gibbons won one on one yeah finally the one he could have gone a lot further he hit it way too early because Dahi'd slipped behind him yeah and um, they had 12, a lot of easy frees. Connor missed a good few easy frees early doors. And then, you know, th- you'd have to say that if they converted even a third of those chances, they'd have probably won, they'd won four, won five extra on the board. They're going in six or seven up, up at half time. It's a different game then. Yeah. So on ba- I know that Gaul would be delighted with the win to get over it. And the second half was a lot better. Definitely was a lot better. And yeah. they showed, a, they showed, they toughed it out and they won it when, when it mattered and they stood up when it mattered, which was great. So they need to bring that second half performance to the table big time and, and go way beyond that if they are to challenge Limerick at all. But as I said, it's a free shot and they can happen in sport and they do get it up for Limerick and they have certain players who can bring that physicality and if they can set the tempo early doors, Quote Park, outwork them, outmuscle them. It's going to come down to that. Outwork them, outmuscle them, outrun them, get in their faces, you know, Limerick are on the go a, a while, you know. Yeah, surely yeah. Galway can have a bit more hunger than them. Yeah. That's the hope, but it's hard, they, yeah. it, they haven't shown that yet. That level of performance that Clare have shown. Would you agree with me, Christy, in that in terms of the performances? We haven't seen that level of aggression, that level of energy, mm. that level of, of of work rate that will be needed. Now, hopefully, that can change. Yeah. Uh, in Crow Park, and that will bring it out of them. No better man than Henry. He's one of the greatest of all time to to bring that level of work rate and attitude and application. Yeah, so well, it's, it's interesting though. I wonder sometimes when you're dealing with fellas who can't do what you do instinctively, how much Henry can understand why they can't do what he expects anybody to be able to do. That remains to be seen. He was obviously well able to do it with Bally Hale, um, yeah. but I just I haven't seen it gel, and I haven't seen that. There definitely seems to be something that they're holding back, and I'm just wondering why it's not coming out and this is what we want to see against, yeah, against Limerick you know. in the first year or two I suppose you only get to know the players and yeah. management and blooding yeah. a lot of young players and what a t- what a, what a, talking about the younger players there what a what a time to be a young goalie player coming into a setup with mm. with that setup there and with, with the calibre of individual he has Damien Joyce a great fella yeah, Kevin, yeah. brilliant fella Henry himself and and he's got a great Damien Joyce the only fellow with a six pack on his back my <laughs> yeah. god he played in New York and he still has it he still has it I've never seen a fitter inter-county yeah. and a brilliant fella with life. it as well one of the, one of brilliant the fella genuine guys you'll ever he meet played against him in New York yeah played against him in New York he's yeah. like yeah smashing fella Christy do you see anything in Galway or how do you think Galway will set about taking Limerick down yeah look at his Alan has kind of summed it up there is he like you know um like, but like everything he spoke about, like Galway have that, you know, they have that in their locker, like that they have that. I suppose look at it, and, and they have, like, look at they have. Like, obviously, you're 
very reliant on Conor Whelan, right? Like, brilliant player. Oh, even look at Conor's numbers the last day. Like, he'd six possessions. You know, like, the goal in the first half was unbelievable the way, you know, he got in. Um, his two points two were brilliant, brilliant as well on, uh, from tight angles. Up, you know? mm. um, but, like, if, if you look at the Leinster final, for example, like, I suppose Galway's, I suppose, performance ultimately collapsed on the back of his the poor service into him. Like, I need a goal chance, you know, early in the second half. And I think that was his last shot. Um, in the game, like you know, he had ten possessions in that game, um, but like you know, I think the last day, you know, even though he worked unbelievably hard, like, and Kieran Joyce was sitting back, kind of deeper after the um, after Whelan's point, in early in the second half, but like Galway, Galway, I suppose that they, their long range shooting really that they, they, it was it was really really good the last day, yeah. um, and you know you're gonna need that against Limerick because you know you're you're it's it's it's. You can't be completely reliant on Conor Whelan to take down Limerick on his own. Now, Brian Concanon played really well against Limerick in the 2020 semi-final. Um, Cahill Mannion showed really good form the last day, you know, especially in patches. Cahill has probably struggled to find the form that he's capable of reaching. So, like, they, they, like Galway have enough shooters. They have a goal threat, right, in, especially in Whelan. Now, I suppose he, he scored the goal the last day, something that he hadn't done up in the championship to date, like, but like to beat Limerick at this stage, like you need goals, right? Clare didn't get any in the Munster final. Um, I suppose Corporate, you know, based a lot of their their game plan on trying to take down Limerick, on trying to get goals. It's it's just a lot harder to do than than you know, as, as we said earlier about the way they just don't give you those chances. Like Waterford got close to them because they got two goals in in, in Limerick in the round robin. So yeah, Galway like they, they, but the big thing is that they have the power and they have the physicality. And I think they have the confidence as well that they, you know, that they have no fear of Limerick. Traditionally, historically, they've beaten them in league games, um, and that I think, you know, as you mentioned, Alan, they owe Limerick one as well. Like from the lot of Horts in 2018, from like Gola didn't play at all, really, really poor performance, and still could have actually won the game at the very end if that ball, like Joseph Coney, like let fly in that ball that Joe dropped in, you know, could have gone in. Like, and if that you could argue if that had gone in, Limerick would never have been heard of again because they probably never have recovered from it. So. Like there's, I I just think that from from Gora's perspective, they look forward to this. I wouldn't say it's a free shot, Alan, because you know a team with this amount of experience are not going into an hour final with only one thing on their minds, only winning it. But I do think that Galway have have a much better chance than well, maybe a lot of people think. Yeah, what have. I mean by free shot is they've not, there's they're going in as underdogs. They're going in as yeah, yeah. Limerick are coming in as overwhelming favourites, so they can. As in, there's no pressure. They can drop the shackles, they can like, the shackles and, let, for sure. and go for it. Um, I, think, I think the other thing as well, lads, is like that you'd have to say like that. You know, Limerick are probably creaking a small bit, which you've seen and saw in the Munster final. Like they're incredible, um, you know, incredible levels, right? Like they've keen Lynch come back. <laughs> I don't know if like I saw that, point. but yeah, yeah, I, I take the point. There's yeah, a team come closer to him. Okay, it's it, it's another it's another big game, right? There, it's another that Munster final extra time. Like, you know, we've seen it with, I suppose that was the one thing I suppose with, with Kilkenny, um, you know, like they were able to, like Kilkenny were a superb team, like, but when they were at their peak, right, and when they were winning all those alarms, like they really had to get it right for two games. Like they'd stroll through Leinster, right, on mo- in most years, especially in, like back around, you know, in the, like during the, the four in a row, like, you know, Take it they'd easy. get it right for semi final. <laughs> right two games, really. You know, no disrespect to Wexford. No, no, like, geez, none taken there on that one. Whereas like, whereas, like, with Limerick now, like, they've had to go to the well, they've had to, like, extra time in the Munster final. 
you know, like Clear gave them enough fit in the park, you know. Like a few weeks though, break will do them really good, I'd say as well. Would it? Yeah, like they've had the break, like but but like it it just you know, all of these games, like that they, they you've seen it like that they do like you know, you Keen Lynch's injury that they've they've withstood that, like but you know, if they get another big injury, like can they like obviously there's no question they're they're favourites and absolute you know, favourites to win the All Ireland, like but you know, it just it all of this stuff adds up and maybe like even with the four week break, they do need the four week break, like but there's actually if you look at the won't get into it now, but if you look at the history of the Munster champions coming in after a four week break, like the stats are there, like they're not good, like you know, go back. Okay, they didn't have that in the last few years with the way the championship was more condensed than in a winter championship. But if you look, you saw it in nineteen, like they had a four week break, they came in, they were caught cold. Like if you go back over the back over the last fifteen years prior to that, like the Munster champions had won four out of eleven or it was four out of fifteen fixtures coming in cold. So there's there's all of that stuff that, that maybe will will add up and will uh, be into Galway's favour as well. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously we're, we're, we're clutching at straws in some respects trying to find chinks in the armour. Like, they seem to come out of the Clare game. John Kiley listened to him afterwards, strengthened because they had managed the, the, the onslaught. Standard, yeah. A team had come to their level and, and they were still able to, to, to get the win. But you're looking for all of these possibilities. Uh, a couple of quick ones. Uh, one, Christy, for you, actually, I'd say in relation to the goalkeepers, um, I had, uh, there's a fella on to me earlier on... Uh, I, I just put a, a call out to say that you were you were on the show today and that they were asking about the, the goalkeepers. Now I'm going to add my own little piece to his question, I suppose. But looking at Mark Fanning's mistake and I suppose Ivor Quilligan and Patrick Collins as well, are, is there is is there a movement? Um, it may be just knee jerk. That's just uh, maybe a freak that happens. You know, every you know once every twenty years. I don't know where it would happen in, in uh, at that extent in in games, but. Goalkeepers as game managers versus goalkeepers of the calibre of Davy Fitzgerald, of Damien Fitzhenry, of Brendan Cummins, of um, Don Logue or whatever, you know, shot stoppers and goalkeepers with all of the, all of the, you know, the goalkeepers, the ball had to roll in and if somebody looked at them wrong, like they'd be out trying to fight them and, you know, the goalkeepers <laughs> have that edge, like, and now all, you've got this kind of game management is, 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 is much more to the fore. Is there a Fuck shift those. there or is it just... Uh, that yeah, just a freak. Yeah, look at it, it's just one of those days I'd say you know, like you'd feel like an off from being there myself, Alan, you play there in ninety four, yeah. you know what it's like the worst position in the world. Mm. Like I suppose just like for for Pat Collins in particular, like that force like you're talking about a nightmare scenario for a goalie, like that's it in a nutshell. Like you're forced the game is on twenty seconds, your first touch, you know, that's all you worry about is get a good first touch, you know, high ball ends up on the net. Um, like I suppose the free from the, the, the Mark Fanning free like you know that ball from Aver's perspective like dangerous ball like coming in where you know you're you're pretty caught in two minds where you know you're, you're half expecting the flick you know you're kind of maybe mentally prepared for that and then the ball just hops and you know didn't get his body behind definitely so definitely yeah that was a tricky one um, like you know just it's it's like go back to the game management that we spoke about earlier on about the, the time on the ball so that's why the goalies are so important now in terms of they are the quarterbacks. They're the one player on the pitch that actually has time to make that decision. The decision making yeah. is so much harder because all you look out, all you see when you look out is screens, hurlies up, you know, block channels, you know, um, block channels of space, you know, and Limerick have completely changed all that uh, narrative as well and how they set up and how they hunt that short puck out. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah like it's it's um. So you think you think goalkeeping is still you're, the goalkeeping is still fine? It's it's, it's I suppose it's, follow, it's following yeah, the same as the the same trajectory as the game. The touch control is to ten times better. Murphy, really. like, and even look at Ian Murphy. Yeah, yeah, Ian Murphy certainly came out uh, came out higher. Uh, for you, Alan, uh, one of the things like, I suppose there was a lot of talk last week. Uh, your own uh, man, Keenan Fahey, was involved in an incident in Crow Park, and then they they picked out two of the clips um, from the Clare Limerick game as well, and. I don't know whatever way you, whatever way people want to think about the way suspensions work or whether the Sunday game should pull them up or they shouldn't and then the CCC has to get involved um, or whatever that's all fine but there's something there's something for me in the spirit of those things that uh, going to a, a disciplinary meeting in Crow Park or going to a disciplinary meeting online or whatever way it happens and getting off on a technicality I think it's one of the flaws of the justice system outside of the game, like in real life, where it's like, oh, you spelled the name wrong, or you didn't write down the right road. And if you've done the thing, you've done the thing. Like I, I don't, I don't. It kind of breaks my heart to see it go. Like for for that to be the precedent that was set, like is to say, oh, we got off on a kind of a technicality. All time politics. Like, hang on there now. Like this, this happened. We're looking at it. We saw it. This is it. It was on camera. This is what we think should be done. That's that's that. And then you've got this other Loopholes. movement towards the law and this decision by people in courtrooms outside of our our game. And I, it 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 frustrates. I was yeah. happy. Didn't care about the lads playing. Didn't like yeah. whoever they're going to put instead are going to be as good anyway. But just to see that coming in. And from my own, I had an experience of going to Crow Park myself before for this printing meeting and kind of been feeling that kind of courtroom kind of a feeling. It's just like, I, I don't know, is this uh, I don't know, is this the right direction? Uh, maybe it's necessary, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's, a, it's, I'm not going to talk about the dismissed suspensions, but I think it's a joke how people can get off if you did it. <laughs> yeah. It's there in black and white. How I think, how do, how do Ruby get it right? I think Ruby get it right, don't they? Mm. And if they're going to cite people, then... They should have a committee that, that like what Ruby do. You're cited. Everyone is cited, not just trial by TV. Right? I think that's a paid, like, you know, they've got, yeah. they go through the whole game and they're refereeing the game after the fact. And, and they show but the same to be when you, when you get cited in rugby, you're cited and you're a band. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, but in the GA, there's so many loopholes and so many rules and so many ways of getting out of it. Like you said, the kind of old time kind of politics where you, yeah. yeah, that kind of cute tourism is it? Get, yeah, get, getting yeah. out of stuff, which is, yeah, if you did it, you did it. Like, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. if if I were suppose when sure. you're in a situation, sure. self, you do you try it yourself. But sure, I know. yeah, this but, is the this is so that's but it, it 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 is something they need to look at, really, isn't it, Christy? And yourself, from it needs to be tidied up a little big bit, big time, yeah. because yeah. Um, you know for consistency as well. And then if they're going to cite people, everyone should know they're going to be cited, or yeah. but the possibility of cite, not just by trial by TV, yeah, and. They obviously can learn, but from rugby, what they have done. If they want it in place, if they don't, that's fine. Yeah. Um. But they need to be consistent. They need. They need to make a decision on it, and then you need to tighten it up big time. Yeah, I think I'd bring in the what the, something from the Aussie rules as well, which is their side players for faking uh, injury. Okay. Yeah. Um, for overacting and stuff like that they'll say afterwards that's a too much ban because it's not in the spirit of the game mm. it's like the committee that's what that's why I feel that's what the committee should be for to kind of protect of the spirit of the game more so than and sport protect the legal loopholes like that's yeah. it's, that's not what it's for like you know I, I, I mean I, I, agree ideally, you, I, I agree with you Dave. it's important we play sport because we're sportsmen and we you know we, we love sport but when you see things like that which are not but not sportsmen like I suppose yeah it, it, it does goes against why we play it especially as amateurs as well and we're representing our county and our community and it does go it does go against the ethos of, 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 the, of the game itself yeah yeah 
Just okay. one, one point on that. Go on, Christy. That's why, you know, like the, the John Milan, you know, incident in 2004 is often, you know, such a such a reference point for stuff like this because, um, you know, like it's just kind of the, the Irish mentality. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and pull a fast one and, yeah. you know, there's so many loopholes there and we'll go to the DRA and yeah. look, we'll get some some guy to put up the cash to to, to, to cover those costs and all of this stuff. And like in fairness to Clare over the last two, like they, they had kind of accepted that the two boys were gone. And you know they did, you know I think that within the squad that they were moving on straight away, um. But there is like, but that's the problem, Alan, as you said about that. There's so many committees, there's um, there's loopholes there. There's a chance to maybe, you know, wriggle yourself out of this. Um, and sometimes you know that there 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 is a need whereby you know as you said about the the poor me mentality where you know look at, you have to just say right we've got to accept this now and move on with it. And I think that that's but you know that when you have that mentality which is there and you know you're trying to trying to get off and the, i suppose the attitude then is well look at you know a couple of our players got 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 picked out why didn't the other guys get yeah. picked out it's not fair and all of this kind of leads into that narrative and that's why i suppose you know everyone's trying to get one over on, on the other crowd you know that's why if they're doing that they should have an overall committee that, that does yeah, it like rugby yeah. and it's looking like it's, it's, it's non-biased non-biased it's looking like it'll need to be tidied up yeah. anyway because it's a little bit too uncertain at the moment look at lads we could go on for another while no doubt uh we're looking forward to kenny clare Limerick, Galway, um, yeah, there's predictions and everything else, but sure, look at there's that's uh, I think I think it's another day's work in some respects. Uh, Cheddar Plunkett has gone from the the from the leash job, um, and also I guess yeah the big the biggest story I think that puts everything into perspective of what was of the GA community this week was in in Tyrone, um, and I didn't I I never met Damien Casey, but it, you know you always get the feeling when you see this of the just yeah of the. The brother, the brotherhood of of the game, like of of the fellas who are playing, and you're you some you feel like you've gone through something with them because you know that they've gone through what you what you've gone through, and it's just yeah, and, and I suppose as as a, as a human being outside of the game anyway, like you just be heartbroken for the, for the story that's come out of uh, of Tyrone in the last week, and uh, our condolences to 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 all of Tyrone GA and to, to Damien's family. Um, that's we'll 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 leave it there. Uh, a somber note to leave it on, but um, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a, a tough story for for Tyrone for someone such a celebrated such a celebrated hurler um, and a, and a loss to all of us, a loss to the game. Um, Christy, thanks very much for for beaming in and joining us and bringing your statistics. You can go back to the recorder now Sky and get, get the <laughs> Sky Plus and get the, get the stopwatch out. It's great to have you. It's good to know that that's the the, the way things We're work. Walking the kids in, eh? No, yeah. Um, and Alan, yeah, look at it. It is always great to be in your company. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it has always been very enjoyable. So thanks very much for making me come in. Um, that's all we have time for. And we'll be back next week. Um, in the aftermath. Of we're just down to the last four teams back two games three games left um, and we'll be back to the Jess Diller and semi-finals next Monday thanks very much you're listening to the GAA Hour with Dear Ling on Sports Joe Donald Donovan is the left cornerback he hits it he hits it it's over the bar oh holy Moses what a match there's been a missing person in Kale for 81 long years well, today, that person has been found alive and well, and that person's name is Liam McCarthy. They know as much 
about serious level sport as I know about the sleeping habits of the Ayatollah. There's a, a streaker on the ground now. He must be a Kilkenny man because he's quite happy with the situation right now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.